It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. In the previous episode that I did myself, (laughs) to be clear, every Monday I do an episode on my own and every Friday I do an episode with a guest. And in last Monday's episode, I talked about these interview questions, which I'm excited to share that after recording that episode, I submitted for context. If you haven't listened to that episode, I used last week's episode as a opportunity to reflect and share and verbalize some answers to these interview questions for this website. And doing it that way was really helpful. It still took me a ton of time to write out my answers I took the transcript from that episode and then copy edited basically everything I said. So it's amazing how much time I spend on tasks like that because I recognize that most people do not spend nearly as much time processing and working on things. And that's been a really helpful realization for me to have. A, because I've spent so much of my life feeling different, which I kind of wonder, does everybody feel different? Do you feel different? (laughs) You know, do we all just feel like we're alone and nobody understands us? I wonder if that's tied into our egos and egos is in like how our brains work and how we see ourselves as separate from others versus when we feel the same. And something that people have pointed out a lot about me, but I hadn't like fully reflected on until recently, which is I tend to make things complicated. I overthink things. I do things, quote, the hard way. But for me, I like doing things that way. I like thinking that way. There's a reason behind it. I've spent so much of my life trying to change myself, but unable to, and finding or feeling a lot of shame because I felt unable to change in the way that people have encouraged me. And now in my life, I'm embracing it and saying, what if I don't need to change? What if I'm okay? And I think that really is the answer for all of us that we are all inherently okay. And the benefit of getting older, which is also a update on an episode I did a few weeks ago on my birthday about age. It's such a joy to grow more confident in who I am as a person every day because I can look back on my younger self and realize how much insecurity I faced. I still feel a lot of insecurity, and that's one of the reasons I was inspired to shape this episode around challenges. So going back to those interview questions, I brought that up because one of them was about how do I keep going when things get tough? It was something like that. Like, how do you push through challenges? And I think in that episode last week, I said, oh, like, that's easy. I don't really feel like I have to push through. You know, (laughs) I forget what the exact wording is. I'm tempted to pull it up, but it doesn't matter so much 
what it was saying. It was the idea around how do you move through times where you doubt yourself, where times get tough? How do you stop yourself from giving up? And I think I said that I generally do not feel like giving up. I usually just pause. And that's absolutely true. However, the difference between when I recorded last week's episode versus when I'm recording this episode is today I felt more unsure of myself and I go through that period a lot. And I think it's important to discuss this because somehow we have this idea that other people who don't verbalize insecurity may not feel it. Maybe we see successful people and because we're not seeing them when they're struggling, we might assume that they don't struggle in the same way that we do. And it's interesting. I think that we're coming to a time where people are more honest and vulnerable about their challenges. I think because mental health is discussed more often, we have more awareness that we're not alone when we feel insecure or unsure of ourselves or doubtful. That's a universal human thing, but it's still sometimes, at least for me, hard to recognize that I'm not alone and feeling that way, if that makes sense. It's like the difference between understanding a concept versus deeply feeling it or knowing it. Like I I understand that I'm not alone, but deep down inside, I do feel alone. And I'm curious if you do as well. I think for me, I have some perhaps trauma around that, like maybe just emotionally. I've felt a lot in my life feeling misunderstood and or unsupported. And so when I don't feel supported as an adult, I get very triggered into insecurity. And I was feeling that right before recording. Part of what triggers that is when I feel like people don't care about me. That's That must be part of this core wound, right? When I feel, and I mentioned this a bit, yes, uh, last that last episode in that it's really helpful for my mental health to feel valued. And the way that I feel valued is generally through various forms of affirmation. If you are familiar with the five love languages concept, one of mine, if not the main love language that I've discovered about myself is words of affirmation. I've noticed that for years in relationships. I've noticed that in friendships. And I've grown to feel more confident in saying, hey, will you tell me that I did a good job? That means the world to me. And a lot of times I struggle to ask that because it feels a little embarrassing. I associate that with some weakness, I suppose, like having to ask for feedback, positive feedback, right? That feels important, but also I have like embarrassment of, is it cringeworthy that I have to ask for this, you know? So a lot of times I just won't ask. What also is hurtful is when I do ask and I don't get it. (laughs) Mostly this happens online where over the years, like asking for reviews on your podcast, asking people to give you a thumbs up on your YouTube video, leave a comment on Instagram. And maybe most people just don't even see or hear those words because they're so common. Like it seems like everyone is asking. And I think there's a difference between asking for the algorithm because if you didn't know this, like people leaving reviews and interacting with you generally gets you 
more exposure. So perhaps some people think like, eh, I don't feel like it. And they're only doing this for their own personal gain. But I certainly enjoy the gains of that type. But I feel like deep down, I'm asking for it for my emotional needs, my self-esteem. Because if I receive validating words, I'm more likely to continue doing something. It's not about the money. It's about feeling affirmed. And that's probably tied into feeling like I wasn't affirmed so much in my life. And also feeling, you know, criticism has really been hurtful for me, I think, because I perceive that as the opposite of being affirmed. So I'll get into a place of doubt when I see information that leads me to see it, like that I interpret as criticism. Like with the podcast, I generally will look at how many people are listening to episodes. And when I go through a period of low listenership, I feel really insecure about this podcast. I have a number of podcasts and this podcast I have the most emotional tie to because I've been doing it for longest. I've been most consistent here. Like this to me, I always consider my main podcast. The other podcasts I do are either my client shows. So they kind of hold less weight emotionally for me because I'm removed from them. I still want them to do well, but when they don't do well, I don't take it as personally. And then my other shows that I do on my own, I think because they're newer, I feel less attached to them. It's not that big of a deal. But this show reminds me a lot of how I used to feel about YouTube. And I think my fears is that I don't want my relationship with the show to turn into my history with YouTube that I really pulled away from. I don't have a lot of positive associations with YouTube because... It just never felt like it went anywhere. Like I kind of reached a peak and then came down. You know, I reached a peak in subscribers. I reached a peak in viewership. And then it was all downhill from there, you know, especially because I'm not active on there. I often lose more followers than gaining them these days because people close their accounts or they see the content and it's no longer valuable to them. I felt sad about that. Like leaving YouTube almost felt like a breakup because I invested so much into it. But I felt like I was asking in so many ways over and over again for support that I never really got. And I saw a lot of other people getting the support I wanted. And I think I felt it must be me. This is a thing about this comparison trap. When we can see how other people are doing, if we can relate that to ourselves, it's very easy to fall into comparison. And I started to shield myself from that, especially on YouTube. I think also it's on Instagram. And it became really unhealthy for me. One advantage of the last few years is that I was not going to as many industry events, industry meaning in the social media world, where I felt like I was constantly put in the comparison mentality. I would not only feel comparison in terms of performance, but so many other factors. Like people at a lot of these events that I would go to, you would just kind of hear how they were doing either directly from them or indirectly. Like someone would walk in the room and it'd be like, oh my gosh, that's so-and-so. And they have this many followers and you would immediately put into comparison with them. Or even I have been in situations where people look up my accounts right in front of me and it's like, I feel like I can read their face. They are now viewing me through the lens of how many followers I have, whether they 
think that's impressive or not. And you hear conversations around how much money people make and what their content looks like and what they look like and on and on. And the thing about podcasting has been a lot less comparison in general. But now that I've gotten so deep in the podcast world, that's starting to happen too. And it's really scary sometimes because when I'm terrified of getting back in that hole that I felt found myself in with YouTube where I just had no motivation left. I felt really conflicted because I didn't want it to be around about numbers, but it's really hard to avoid that. And that's kind of the place that I'm getting to with this podcast. It's very fresh in my head because I was examining the numbers. I usually look at it every every week for this show. And I don't know if it's serving me anymore. So I kind of want to stop. The reason I was doing it is numbers are helpful for moving forward, for getting advertisers. You know, I occasionally bring on a sponsor for the show and they always want to know these numbers. And I like to know the averages and the context of things and get into that analytical standpoint. But so that's like the pro is that you collect this data so they can share it with somebody else and they can determine how or if they're going to work with you. So it feels very businessy, right? But my brain will obsess and that is really challenging. I mean, I didn't mean for this episode to quite be about this, but I guess to give some context, it might be helpful to hear. Same thing with YouTube. It was just always about the numbers, right? But deep down, I wasn't doing it for that reason. I wanted sponsorship because that would, in my head, allow me to dedicate more time to YouTube, you know? But now in hindsight, I'm like, I sacrificed so much joy because I started YouTube out of passion. I started YouTube because it was bringing me joy. And I got more into it because I felt supported, because the viewership went up, because people were complimenting me. You know, for context, I started it, I started my channels very early. Eco Vegan Gal, I think, started the YouTube channel either in 2008 or 2009. And I had already done some experimenting with other channels on YouTube for a year or two before that. And I remember that kind of turning point of like, oh, there's opportunities here. And how exciting to be able to do something that I'm passionate about full time. Also back then, which I shared a bit about last week, I was working full time at a nine to five job and part time at a part time job. And I thought it would be amazing if all I could do was YouTube and blogging, right? So it then did become about the numbers. But it still felt very positive for a while, you know, until that comparison trap came in where I was trying to learn from other people. But in order to learn, it felt like everything became a comparison and everything was like, well, how many numbers do you have? And, you know, well, oh, you want to charge this much money? Well, so and so charges this like you should lower your rates, which would be very common. And then it's this trap where like you want to bring your numbers up so you can generate more income to support yourself. But at what cost. You know, I found myself starting to change into a person that I didn't relate to anymore. And that goes back to my original statement is I don't want to change. And there's so much pressure in the business world to change. And I don't want to be a different person in order to make money. That's become very clear to me. That feels sad and heartbreaking. And 
I've ended up in a few industries, few meaning in the digital content world, but also when I was working in the film industry, you know, it was that same sort of thing. It's like I got into filmmaking out of passion, out of love for the art, out of I deeply resonated with it. I had been making video projects practically my entire life, which is much more common now. But when I was growing up, very uncommon. I was one of very few people I knew that knew how to operate a video camera. And then I studied it and understood the business and like every angle of it. I was so in that world. But the industry of it did not suit my personality and or just working style. So as I talked about last week, that's led me to starting my own work in business. And like a large part of the work that I've done has felt deeply nourishing and satisfying. But seeing me move away from content has been the result of not wanting to put myself in a box that I didn't fit naturally. And I think that it took me a while to even admit it. It even feels kind of hard to admit now because there's so much mentality around in order to succeed, you have to do X, Y, Z. And even sharing that statement in this moment breaks my heart a little bit because I feel like so many people go about life changing themselves in order to get something. But it also seems like many of us towards the end of our life realize that none of that was worth it or mattered, you know? And I see it in all sorts of different ways. Another example is a few nights ago, I went to this big Hollywood, well, it was a private party, but for a private party, it was, there were a lot of people there, including celebrities. And I could do a whole episode on that, <laughs> on that party experience. But I was invited through somebody else who works in the Hollywood industry. So I was going as just a guest and I was really excited to kind of treat it like a fly on the wall experience. And it was really fascinating because I love witnessing people's behavior and the nuances in it. And one of the people there I've known for a few years, very successful person in the Hollywood world. I don't want to give the details about who this person is. And I, I'm not saying that to be like mysterious, just purely out of privacy for them. But I see different sides to this person. I've seen deep kindness and sweetness in this person. And I feel like the way I observe other people, I pay, I can pick up on things about them really quickly. And I, I don't know if that's a common thing, but people tend, to, when I'm talking to other people about how I observe others, it seems like I observe people a little differently than most people I know, if that makes sense. Because people often remark like, oh, I didn't notice this about that person. You know, and I almost kind of obsess over these details of who somebody is because I'm deeply curious about who someone is at their core, right? So this person at the party, I have like vivid memories right now of their face because I would notice and their voice, their posture, and how that shifted throughout the party based on the context of what they were doing or who they were with, right? So I would see these moments of just purity, these moments of like a vulnerable, sweet human being. And then moments where their posture would completely change because of the context of what they were saying or who they were with. And suddenly they were a different person. And given what I know about this person's work in Hollywood, I imagine that 
they are showing up so differently in order to achieve what they've achieved, which is really amazing. But there's almost like a sadness that I would assume about this person in that it feels just like a facade. And I've noticed that a lot in Hollywood because through my work and my connections in Los Angeles, I know a lot of actors who have been really successful, for example, or filmmakers who have been really successful. And yet when I've had just down-to-earth conversations with them, most of those people just don't seem deeply happy or nourished. And it's because, in my opinion, this industry, the Hollywood industry, is all about putting on masks and shaping yourself in order to fit the mold. The similarities between being a content creator and Hollywood are, there's tons of overlaps now, more and more so. And part of me is like, wow, maybe this is why I've been feeling uncomfortable is because like I simultaneously feel excited about the correlations between content creation and mainstream media and how they're merging so much. But that terrifies me because to me, that signals not being true to yourself. I have seen so much of the content creation world become about fitting a mold and doing it as a business versus the core of doing something for a passion. And that's, I think, where the conflict comes up in me. So to go back to this idea of giving up, in this moment, I think I'm realizing that that's where my trigger is. I feel very triggered when maybe it's not just about support. It's triggered because I feel like I can't be myself. I felt really depressed after that Hollywood party, by the way. I, It's really interesting. I um, knew that I was putting on a mask to go to this party. I kind of felt like as soon as I heard about this party, I really wanted to go because I was like, this is going to be cool. There was a whole reason for this party happening. It was related to a project that the host was doing. And I was like, I really want to see this project. And I, I just think it would be cool to be there for it. You know, it was like an exclusive event for friends. It wasn't like a red carpet type of event. It was like a down to earth network or community focused event. Right. So I'm like, this is the type of thing I want to go to because I won't have to wear as a thick of a mask, if that makes sense, versus a lot of Hollywood parties that are all about networking and people. It's hard to verbalize this, so bear with me. <laughs> Especially if you don't work in Hollywood or haven't worked in Hollywood, I want to make sure that I'm setting the ground for this. It's very similar to any industry. So a better example that I think everybody can relate to is like, it's like when you go to a work party where the context is everybody is there because it's about work, like a holiday party for your job, or even like in college, like parties that you would go to that were like designed for networking. You're probably going to show up differently there than if it's a casual birthday party where, yes, people from your work may be there. Yes, people from college are going to be there, right? But you're not there to think about work. You're there for a different purpose. That's basically the second, the latter is which this party that I went to was. So I was like, okay, at least like people are going to be there a little bit more relaxed. But because virtually every single person at that party works in Hollywood to some extent or another, like I knew that there would be that level of networking and who's who type of a thing. So I felt like I had to go there with a mask on. 
And my mask was clothing, makeup, hair, my whole appearance. I went to lengths that I have not gone to for so long. I went shopping because I didn't feel confident about it in my clothes. So I went and bought myself a new outfit, kind of out of character for me, but I like getting new clothes like once or twice a year (laughs) just to like freshen things up. So that feels rare for me. And I spent an hour doing my makeup, which is absurd for me. I'm like a five minute makeup application type of girl. I know I have like my set way of doing my makeup when I do my makeup, which is rare in itself. And I just put it on real quick and move on. But I was determined to do a really great job with my makeup. I watched a makeup tutorial. I just went all out. And actually, I loved the way it turned out. I felt so confident in my new outfit. I didn't do much to my hair. But anyway, so that was my mask. Wearing new clothes that I didn't have and putting on literally a lot more makeup than usual, which felt like a mask in its literal sense. And then I went to this party like really thinking about how I was going to show up. I thought about what I was going to say to people if they asked what I did. You know, I thought about like all of the, I mean, everything I was doing was strategic. Why? I don't know. I think it's just the old way of doing things from being in that industry. But there were photographers there and videos being made. And like, I'm literally next to people I've seen on TV and having conversations with people. I don't even know what they do, but like, they probably are some big wig in the hall. You know, I just felt like I had to show up in a way that would impress them. And this is something that's kind of fun every once in a while. But like, I when after the party, I just felt bad. I felt like once the high of it wore off, the high of like, ooh, so-and-so was at this event. That's kind of cool. Or wow, I'm so lucky to have been invited. You know, once those little things wore off me, I just found myself in this little like temporary crisis because I was in the comparison trap of the other girls that were there. Oh, they look prettier than me. Their makeup is far better than mine. Their clothes are better than mine. They look better in photos. Oh my gosh. Like I was sent a couple photos that the photographer took and I'm like, couldn't even look at myself. Like despite all the time I spent putting into my appearance, I still didn't feel good enough about how I looked. So there was that level of not feeling great. But then like I heard some numbers, you know, there were podcasters at that event. And like I heard some of the numbers that they have for their podcasts and they're astounding, like literally 40 times probably what my show gets, you know, and that's an extreme because there's celebrities involved with their podcast. So of course they're going to have much higher numbers than me, but like still I found myself wallowing in that comparison trap of, wow, like I just feel not a failure, but just like I have such a long way to go and I may never get there. That's kind of the dark place my brain goes. And, you know, it's just like I could go on and on again, do a whole episode in that party, but feels unnecessary of just how much it triggered me despite the joy that I found. You know, I could also go on and on about all the perks of that party, but that party lasted, I was probably there for maybe three hours, a little less, but the impact that it had on me has lasted days and not in a positive way. And so I've had to sit with that and think about like, 
how do I get out of that negative headspace? Does that mean that I don't go to parties anymore? Not really. Like I still think that the high of that event was enough to keep me going back. But then like, is that an addictive cycle? That's the other thing too that I reflect on. I was invited to a very different type of party a few days after that one. And I said to the organizer that I wasn't sure if I was going to go because A, I have a lot of social anxiety. And so in order for me to overcome my social anxiety, I tend to have to do a lot of masking like I did at that Hollywood party. And that masking is exhausting. But also the mental preparation I have before I go to party and the potential consequences after, right, is that now that I've become more self-aware, I realize like a simple two-hour, three-hour party is a multi-day experience for me. And generally, that causes a ton of stress on me. I'm so glad that I have that realization because that helps me make decisions. And I don't think I was aware of that until maybe even this week, right? Like it's just so clear given that I don't go to many parties right now. Also, the event that I went to, the natural products event I went to about a month ago, well, depends on when you listen to this, in in mid-early March 2022, it took me two or three weeks to recover from that four-day event. And I'm kind of curious how many other people experience that recovery time. So if you do as well, I would love to hear from you because this is where I start to feel like the odd one out. And I wonder, speaking of masking, how many people experience these things but have no awareness of it? Like how many people went to that Hollywood party that I went to and also felt like they had to mask? I would guess most of those people, right? At least the women who feel like they have to wear a ton of makeup and do their clothes, right? The fact that I spent an hour doing my makeup probably wasn't uncommon. Who knows how much money they spent on their outfits? Because I felt like I was wearing something, I know it was relatively inexpensive, right? So thinking about how much work goes into showing up as a woman at an event like that is interesting to me. I don't know how much time men spend. Do they just like buy, have a nice outfit that they wear and like show up and then never think about the event again? (laughs) That's a fascinating gender disparity, especially in Hollywood. But I wonder how many people left that party feeling like their self-esteem was impacted too. Like, Because again, without giving you the details, like there were just high level people there that when you see them and hear about them and see what they're working on, like it's very easy to feel bad about yourself because you're exposed to people who are in the top X percent, right? Whatever that would be for projects and all of these and like fame and notoriety. And it's like, wow, am I ever going to be a household name like them? You know, am I going to be that recognizable? Does it even matter for me to look at all this person has achieved? Will I ever achieve that too? Like that comparison and then the ripple effect on your self-esteem. Like I imagine so many people experience that, but they're so used to experiencing it that they don't even fully process it in the way that I've taken to the last few days and just right now in this moment. And for me, processing it leads to the answer that I wanted to circle back on is how do I keep going? How do I decide whether or not to give up on something? I spend all this time reflecting on it and understanding the why, because when I can identify why I'm feeling the way 
am feeling, I can usually attribute it to something that doesn't have the significance needed for me to quit something. Does that make sense? Like if I break down the tough emotions, the comparison trap, it's like, okay, I'm comparing myself to somebody who's completely different than me in a lot of different ways, not just literally a different person, but like to compare this podcast to a podcast that probably has a huge budget to advertise, has big partners and celebrity names. That is not me. So I can continue to process and remind myself of that. And when I do that and remind myself over and over again, that is not me. I'm in a different position. I'm a different person. I have a different story. I have different needs. The context is different. Like all of that, I can just it's like a comfort, you know? Then when I notice I feel unsupported right now, two things come up for me. One is, well, can I ask for support? It's tricky with stuff like this because like I said, when I feel unsupported with this podcast, for example, I know that asking for support, like a couple people will support, you know, they'll come out and they'll say something supportive to me, right? Like I could reach out to close friends and I could say, hey, I'm feeling insecure about my podcast right now. And then they'd probably say something really kind. I could reach out to you, the listener, and share vulnerably, right? And maybe you or someone else who's listening will reach out. That's only a a few people will do that, which is nice. But sometimes that doesn't feel like enough, honestly, because like it's like deep down, I have this desire to please the majority. And so I think that's also been tough for me as a content creator is like, I don't need to please everyone. I would love to, in an ideal world, be able to please everyone. But if I can please the majority, that feels nice. And I've noticed actually through my work, I don't know if I've ever felt like I've pleased the majority. It's really hard to even know. And sometimes all I have are numbers. And the going back to the numbers thing, that's where this all kind of becomes a really tough cycle. It's like, okay, the only way for me to know if the majority of people like what I'm doing is to look at numbers and assume, right? Like, am I growing? That's also interesting too, numbers-wise. In this industry of content creation, there's a lot of emphasis placed on growing, on growth. But deep down, I don't know if I need more all the time. And this is something worth considering. Why do you need to grow? What if you could just be happy with like what you have and or the average? And when I talked about last week about what success means to me, I think that's an important reminder too, is that like, do I have my core needs met? And if the core need, this is gets probably a little complicated, right? It's like, okay, a core need for me is passion, enjoyment. Do I enjoy doing this podcast? Yes. Then you could strip it, like start examining, well, why do you enjoy it? And that's where it becomes uh, very nuanced and complicated. Why do I enjoy this podcast? Well, I enjoy talking, obviously. (laughs) I process out loud. And so talking is kind of therapeutic to me. I really enjoy feedback. Also obvious at this point. I love when somebody writes me an email and says that an episode I did was helpful to them. It, it boosts my ego a little bit, but like that my core need is also about helping people or core desire, I should say. Is it a need to help others? I'm going to put it more in the desire category. I really find 
deep joy and my reward system gets triggered of, I help somebody. Okay. And honestly, when one person sends me an email and says specifics about an episode, that email does feel enough to me, even though it's not the majority, right? Because like I said, the small percentage is not the majority. It's not like 50% of listeners. I have no idea who they are. I will never hear from them statistically. That's sometimes tough. But if 50% of listeners wrote me emails every week, I would be overwhelmed. So technically, one person sending me an email, one that is written with intention and detail, that fills up my tank of satisfied that I helped one person. So that's what I mean by enough. And this is what helps me get out of that comparison trap is like, if one email is all it takes for me to feel enough, then I don't need these huge numbers. Because like the downside to celebrity and I think I've shared this before, is you can't connect with your audience on a deep level that I want. I mean, even a few hundred people wrote me emails frequently, I would not be able to keep up with it. I don't have the bandwidth. But a celebrity probably gets that many messages all the time. And so when we get back to the comparison trap, we can look at it from a positive standpoint of, well, this person might have however many people listening to their show. But if the same percentage of people that like 40 times, let's say I got 40 emails, right? So I said, I would estimate that this show has 40 times the listenership of mine. So if one email feels really good to me, let's say I I got 40 emails and they were all equally as good. I think what would happen is A, responding to 40 deep, thoughtful emails would be tough for me if it was frequent, right? Like if it was 40 emails a week, like it doesn't seem like a lot, but I would want to connect with each one. I would want to give each person my gratitude. I would want to give each person a response. What I would likely do is either read, but then never respond because I would be too overwhelmed to respond, or I would get someone to help me. And when someone helps me with emails, there's always going to be a disconnect between me and that person who wrote it. And when I come back to that standpoint, I would so much rather stay small. And staying small does feel enough to me. It's not, I mean, maybe the financial opportunities are going to be far less, but the nourishing relationships, the lack of overwhelm, basically the connection, that is at the core of my needs and my joy. And that's probably how I can stay centered when I feel thrown off balance, when I get myself into a mentality based on feeling disappointed, because I think that disappointment is really outside of me. Sometimes I want to be like deconstruct every piece of information I get and like really examine it bit by bit. And what I mean by that is when I find myself feeling sad, depressed, low self-esteem, vulnerable, not enough, insecure, whatever emotion, and just contemplating my work and thinking things like, it's not worth it. Maybe I should stop doing this. And I'm not just talking about the podcast and like anything I do. I go through those emotions all the time. And sometimes I'm amazed at how often those thoughts come into my head and wonder what it would be like to just slow down more and take in less information. One thing I've been practicing is not using social media like TikTok as frequently because I think because of the speed in which TikTok, even Instagram, 
any of these platforms, Twitter, especially like you go on there and you're bombarded with information more so than a lot of than we're often very aware of, right? Like our brains take in so much information all the time and it's making connections in ways that we might not be conscious of because it's happening so fast. So it's very likely that every time I go on TikTok, I'm falling into the comparison trap and I'm doing it on multiple levels. How do I look in comparison to this person? How is this person's career in comparison to mine? Those are the two big ones for me. But like, I'm sure there's all these other factors, right? And I'm like thinking either they're better than me or they're worse than me. And it's like bouncing around constantly to the point where I'm rattled and I'm losing my sense of self. And that's the other big realization I'm having as I talk through this is like, my core need is to feel like myself. My core desire and life is to feel true and authentic. And it has been that for uh, many years. I remember in college noticing that, how triggered I would get around people I didn't perceive to be showing up as themselves. Just like I said at that party with that one guest I mentioned, who I saw different variations of this person throughout the two or three hours I was there and in contact, like they were shape-shifting and I couldn't see the difference between when they felt authentic to me versus when they felt like they're putting on airs. Is that the term? Putting on airs, right? So I've been triggered by that when I notice other people putting on airs because it doesn't, it feels disconnected to me, I suppose. And my core desire is to feel connected to myself and connected to others. And I'm glad that I shared this out loud. I feel like this episode has been a bit all over the place, but it's really helped me a lot. And my core desire is to help you (laughs) too. So I hope that it helps you. This is where my vulnerability comes up too, is I'm constantly second guessing myself and that sucks. Like I would love to, if I could change myself, that would be that. Like if there's a way for me to stop second guessing myself. this I think the answers of this entire discussion comes down to spending less time receiving input from others because input from others leads for us to make assumptions to put ourselves in the comparison trap and to also take in information that may not resonate with us. But for me, I've spent so much of my life taking what other people say as more important than what I feel deep down. And I would like to switch that where I just have more self-trust. What do I feel? What do I think? What is best for me? What does success look like for me? If I can stay rooted in that, then life feels much more balanced and life maybe feels more joyful because it's not about other people. That to me is like my life's work, I would assume. (laughs) Based on how my life has gone thus far, my biggest challenge has been that self-trust. And I feel like a lot of other people have that too, despite what they look like from the outside, like I said before. And I, you know, I (laughs) that Hollywood party is a great example because I saw it happening. I felt it too. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't want to, I feel uncomfortable pointing out some things I've noticed about myself. But if I am in fact neurodivergent, this actually is one of those qualities. I don't remember if, I think it falls in the autism spectrum of like, you can read people really well. Like when you walk into a room, you can feel people and you notice details, like I said, about them that maybe other people don't. And there is this one big celebrity at that party, probably the biggest celebrity at that party. 
I did not interact with this person, but I saw them from across the yard that we were at the outdoor party. And I observed them a little bit because I was curious about this person. I was like, huh, interesting. I don't think I'd ever been around this person before, maybe not to my recollection. So I'm just like observing them subtly. And just by like a few subtle observations, I feel like I could feel this person and my observation of, or at least what I felt from them way across. They were probably 20, 30 feet away from me amongst the crowd. And my feeling was this person did not feel confident, I suppose, based on their posture and their outfit. It felt like they were scared of what others were going to think about them. And if you knew who this person was, one thing I'll say about them is that they had been in the spotlight for like a lot of criticism based on some of their choices. I don't even know the full, I don't remember all the details, but like this is years ago, so an older celebrity who just, you know, was not painted very positive pictures of them publicly. And so I wonder like how much trauma that person's carrying around and fear socializing. How much social anxiety does someone like that have? And that person seemed happy to be there and proud of the reason that they were there, but like maybe a bit scared. That would be my guess. And there is one other not as well-known celebrity, but someone I know based on their work who did interact with me. And I was also fascinated by how quiet this person was compared to like who they've played on screen. You know, like the assumptions we make about actors versus like who they really are, the characters, the roles that they play. And they were just so, the second person, the second actor was like just so laid back and quiet and sweet. And just if you didn't know who they were, would not know that they played these roles of completely different person. Maybe that's why I like going to those parties. I just love observing who somebody really is. That might be part of my life's work slash like my life's curiosity and passion. I've just loved knowing who people are. I like knowing who I am. I like knowing who others are. And I really like helping people reveal their true selves. And it's interesting to me that our lives aren't set up to support us in that. So much of our lives seem to revolve around that shape-shifting and those masks. And I don't know if we'll ever be at a place where people feel like they can consistently be their authentic, unmasked self. So maybe I want to place more emphasis on my work around helping people find it and stay in that mode as frequently as possible. That's where I'd like to be. That's really at the root of why I created Beyond Measure, the private community that I run. I yearn to connect with others as my true self, with their true selves, their authentic selves, without us putting on airs. And it's been so nourishing to have that. And I'm starting to now really promote Beyond Measure more because I'm realizing how important that is for me to show up that way and to offer that space to others. And in this moment, I feel so deeply connected to it. And I think that I just want that to be at the root of all my work. And like, this is how I stay. This is how I keep going to come back around to the original question before I end is I keep going by getting rooted in not just my needs, but rooted in my big mission. And I think it's easy to get 
to lose sight of that because my mission is something I haven't even been fully clear on. Even in this moment, I've in this episode, I've verbalized it in ways that I haven't frequently stated out loud. And I yearn to be more clear about that if I can make that my life's work. And there's different levels, right? Like my life's work as a person versus my life's work as a career. And my life's work as a person is about self-trust. And my life's work as a career is about similar, helping other people trust themselves, but like revealing the truth of who they are. So I'm going to go ponder that more. Thank you for listening. If this resonated with you, I'd love to hear from you. Truly. I actually just started working with somebody who's assisting me with emails and I'm so excited about that because we created a whole method in which this person will help me respond ideally to everyone. And we're doing it together so that I retain that connection that I mentioned, but have a system in place so that I don't get overwhelmed. And I bring that up because I feel like maybe I've had an energetic block sometimes with people where I'm like simultaneously want people to message me, but am afraid of getting overwhelmed and not being able to respond back. So if you're somebody who either has reached out to me and I haven't replied, please know that it's always my intention to connect with you because I deeply value that. It means the world. It makes me feel supported, but it is back to that root of connection that I crave. And if you've never written me because you didn't feel compelled to, or you felt some sort of energetic block that maybe I inadvertently put up. I just want to reopen that for you and know that like I've worked really hard to figure out a system to achieve the level of connection that I desire with you. So please feel free to reach out. And also, if you feel compelled to check out the Beyond Measure community, I will link to that. I've also set that up as a way of making those regular connections. We meet every Saturday, actually. We just met a few hours ago. I'm recording this on a Saturday. And it just is so wonderful to hear people's voices and sometimes see their faces. Or I'm actually working on a live chat feature of Beyond Measure now, which I don't know when that'll be out yet, but that's a new feature of the platform that I use to run the community. And there's just so much in development and it's all about connection. So would love to connect with you in whatever way resonates with you through email, through Beyond Measure community, through social media, even though I try not to be on there too much. I love the messaging elements of that. So please connect if you feel compelled. And if not, I just appreciate you. You listening is, it makes a difference. It really does. So thank you. I'll be back again on Friday with a special guest and wishing you all the very best with your life and your journey and your self-compassion. Until then, bye. Until next time is what I meant to say. (laughs) Until next time, I'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.